And we're talking about the unbreakable promises of God. The unbreakable promises of God. Today's promise is the promise of God's purpose. The promise of God's purpose in your life, in your life, and in mine as well. You know, uh, if you have the opportunity to pull out your Christ Church notes, if you've printed them out, I hope you'll print them in advance so we'll be ready to go every Sunday morning uh, to uh, fill in these blanks. You know, uh, today is one of these days you're going to want to take some notes. I just got to tell you right off the bat, you know, these, this the understanding our purpose or God's purpose for your life, the four, four foundational purposes, are, it's critical for your inner peace. It's critical for your happiness. You know, and so I want you to make sure that you write these things down. You know, if you just want to write the points down now and then print out your notes uh, after the worship time and uh, then write them in and keep this, I highly suggest you do it. So, unbreakable, the promise of God's purpose. Now, you know, this probably will not come as a shock to any one of you who know me and who knows me well, but I was an undiagnosed hyperactive kid. I mean, that's who, I, that's just who I was, you know, and uh, uh, I, I was always keeping my parents on high alert. You know, that's just, uh, that's how it was when I was growing up. One, uh, one Saturday afternoon, I was outside uh, playing, and I had this wild idea that my parents' car needed a tune-up, an engine tune-up. So, uh, parent, my both parents are in the house. I was outside playing. I got in the car, opened the hood, and then I started taking the engine apart. And after all of these parts were laying out in the driveway, my dad comes out, and uh, he looks at me, and I look back at him, and he said, son, what on earth are you doing? Well, uh, unfortunately, you know, we tried to put the car back, but my dad had to have the car towed to the gas station to get it running again. You know, and my son Hunter, well, he gets all his mischievous antics directly from me. He gets it all honestly. You know, one day, I mean, Hunter was pretty small, probably uh, in maybe first grade, something like that. So uh, one uh, day, Rosemary came to me and said, you know, John, I can't find Hunter. I can't find Hunter. Don't know where he is. So we start looking for him. We're out in the backyard. We're calling his name. We're inside, outside of the house calling his name. No response. I walk around to the front of the house and I'm calling down the street. And then I turn back toward the house and there I see my son on the roof of the house just seated there on the roof of the house watching me calling his name to try to find him. You know, and I, I looked at him, I got call, called up and said, son, what on earth are you doing? Well, you know, that question, what on earth are you, do, are you doing, is not a bad question for us adults too. You know, my dad said it to me, I've said it many times to, to my son, and uh, that question is pretty good question for all of us adults to ask. You know, why am I here? Where am I going? What's the purpose of life? Is there any meaning to all of this? What on earth are you doing? 
You know, I'm convinced that a lot of the problems that we have in life are caused by an unclear purpose, an unclear purpose, such as uh, aimlessness. You know, if you don't have any purpose in life, you're just drifting from one thing to the next. Boredom. You know, if you don't have any purpose, you try to fill your spare time with thrills and pills and anything else you can think of because simply you're bored. You're not living into your God-given purpose. Depression, delusionment. You're thinking, what's the use is there any purpose in, the, in, uh, in me getting up today? Is it any purpose to even getting out of bed? Or indecision. You know, uh, you have a hard time figuring out what it is that you need to do. Well, you need to get your purpose squared away first because that's going to give you direction to be able to make the decisions that you need to make. You know, it's the same way in life. You know, when you're coming in life, you get to a fork in the road, and before you know which way you're going to go, you've got to know where you're headed. It's the same when you're driving. You get to a fork in the road, you've got to know, are you going to go this way or are you going to go this way? It depends on where you're headed. It's the same thing in life, my friends. You've got to know your purpose in order to be able to make the wise decisions when you get to the fork in the road. You know, understanding your purpose in life produces tremendous benefits. You know, the key to happiness is understanding your purpose in life. The key to inner peace is focusing on that purpose. And the key to success is fulfilling your purpose in life. What is God's purpose for your life? Well, let me tell you. God has given you, and I'm not talking about whether you should be a doctor or a lawyer or a candlestick maker or a streetcar conductor or a brain surgeon. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about the four foundational purposes that God has for your life. And I'm going to start with the very, uh, matter of fact, where we get this is uh, in a familiar verse in the scripture. It is Matthew 6.10. You're going to recognize it because it's a line right out of the Lord's Prayer. Look what it says right here. It's all summed up in one sentence. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you see that? Say it out loud with me. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I want you to notice right there, you'll see it on the screen, I want you to notice there are two phrases here in this passage right here. The first phrase sums up God's purpose for the world. It says, your kingdom come. That's God's purpose in the world. We're saying when we pray, God, bring your purpose into the world. Your kingdom come. May your kingdom come. May your purpose be done. Bring it here in the world, and then the second phrase summarizes God's purpose for your life, and that is your will be done. God's will be done. God has a will. God has a plan. God has a purpose for your life. May God's purpose come to earth, and may we live out God's purpose for our life. 
You know, uh, you get to another scripture, one of my favorites, it's my life verse. Haven't used it in a while, uh, said it out loud publicly, that is, but it's my life verse. You'll recognize it as soon as I even give you the reference. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. What does it say? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You know, I use that verse because you know what that implies? You know, it implies that God's got a plan for your life. I mean, you think about it. If God says to you, I've got great plans for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future, you know, I, it means God's got a plan and a purpose for you. I mean, why in the world would God waste all his good plans on you if he didn't have a purpose for your life? Now, does God have a purpose for your life? You bet he does. And he's got four foundational purposes for you, and I'm going to give them to you right now. I want you to jot them down. Uh, even if you don't have your notes, jot them down. You can print the notes out after worship and write them in then. But I want you to keep this message. Here it is. First purpose that God has for your life is, I am made to know God. Let's say it out loud, folks. I am made to know God. One more time. I am made to know God. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, did any of you choose to be born? Raise your hands. Yeah, no hands, right? None of us chose to be born. There's a lot of life that's out of our control. Uh, you know, we didn't choose to be born, but God planned it. God planned it. God had a purpose in your birth. In fact, look what it says here in Ephesians 1, verses 4 and 5. It says this, Even before the world was made, God had already decided that through Jesus Christ, He would make us His children. This was his, what's this word? Pleasure, and look at the next word, and what? Purpose. It was his pleasure and purpose to make you and me his children. That is, when did he do that? Even before the world was made. Folks, listen to me say it. If you're alive and breathing, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. The fact that you're alive means that God has a purpose for you. You know, I've said it before and I'm going to say it again, and that is uh, this. Regardless of the circumstances surrounding your birth, you are no accident. Regardless of the circumstances surrounding your birth, you are not an accident. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Now, if you've got your notes, I want you to circle the word pleasure. If you don't have your notes, take your finger and just do like this. There you go. Circle that word pleasure. That's it. I want you to circle that because the scripture says this was his pleasure, God's pleasure and purpose. You know, listen to me tell you this. Look into my eyes right here. I want you to hear me say it and look at me saying it. God takes pleasure in you. Yeah. God takes pleasure in you. He made you 
He made you uh, to love you. You were made as an object of God's love. You were made to be loved by God. And you know what the implication of all of this is, right? That if you're not spending time with God to get to know him and to fall more and more in love with him, you are missing out on one of the greatest pleasures of your life. You are missing out on one of the very purposes that you're here to do. Why? Because uh, what does it say? I am made to what? To know God. I am made to know God. Does God have a purpose for your life? Again, you bet he does. And this is your, his pleasure and his purpose for your life. You know, if you're too busy to, to have some daily quiet time with the Lord, my goodness, then you're way, 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 way too busy because you're missing out on God's plan and God's purpose for your life. It's no wonder you feel frustrated, aimless, or purposeless. You were made to know God, and you're made to love him. All right, so that's number one, I am made to know God, okay? Here's number two, I am made to be like God. Let's say it together, I am made to be like God. One more time, I am made to be like God. I am made to be like God. First one was I am made to know God, and I am made to be like God. We're on our second purpose, second purpose of God for your life. God doesn't want you just to know him. God wants you to become like him, to become like God in character, to become like God in character. Paul wrote in the book of Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29, some favorite verses right here. Uh, If this isn't on your memory list, you need to memorize this scripture. And we know that all that happens to us is working for our good if we love God and are fitting into his plans. For from the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him should become like what? His son. Those who come to him should become like what? His son, yeah. That's right. This has been God's plan from the very beginning, folks. God's plan from the very beginning is that you would become like him. Or, in other words, that you are made to be like God. Made to be like God. God God says, look, you are made to be different. You were made with specific purpose in mind. You were made different from all of creation. You know, you you never see, uh, cows don't pray and dogs don't bless the food before they eat it. You were different. God made you differently. Of all creation, listen to me, you are you have the ability to be in communication with God, to communicate with God. You're made differently. He wants you to be like he is. He, God, God's not saying, look, I need you to be a little God. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. You're not going to be a little God. Get that out of your mind. God wants you to be like he is in character. God wants you to be like he is in character. He wants you to be godly. That's what this is all about. To be like God with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. All those characteristics, all the fruit of the Spirit. And where do we get that modeled? Where do we see it modeled? We see it in Jesus, right? 
That's where we see all of the fruit of the Spirit modeled 100% all the time. The fruit of the Spirit. Jesus is our model. You know, you've heard it, you've heard the phrase, like father, like son, right? Well, this is who God is calling us to be. He's calling us to be like his son, Jesus. To think like he thinks, to act like he acts, to do like he does, and to work like God does. This is God's purpose for you. What? To be like God in character. This is God's purpose for your life. You were made to know him. You were made to be like him. That is to be godly in the way that you live. Look at the scripture again. It says this, and we know that all that happens to us is working for our good if we love God and if we're fitting into his plans. For from the very beginning, God decided that those who came to him should be like his son. Now, I want you to, I want, if you got your notes again, I want you to circle the phrase, all that happens. Circle the phrase, all that happens. If you don't have your notes, what are you going to do? Pull out your finger, here we go. All that happens. All that happens. Circle that right there, all that happens. For it says, we know that all that happens to us is working for our good if we love God, fitting into his plans. For from the beginning, God decided that those who came to him or come to him should become like his son. All that happens. What does that mean? Does that include difficulties? Well, sure. All that happens, remember? Does that include then uh, delays? Well, sure it does. Does that include disappointments and things that I don't get, things that I don't understand? Well, Sure it does. Now, I want you to be very clear. You can read that scripture backwards and forwards, and you won't find a place where it says that everything that happens is good. Now, that's not what the scripture says. Scripture doesn't say that everything that happens in your life is good. There are a lot of bad things that happen in life. We don't live in heaven yet. We live on earth. And the earth is full of sinful people, and we are some of them. And so there's going to be bad stuff that takes place in life. But it does say that all the things that happen to you, God can use them to work for good. And once you understand that truth, once you understand that it's God's goal to make you like himself, to build up God's character in your life, then everything that happens takes on a new meaning. You can begin to see God's purpose behind it or begin to realize God's purpose behind the bad stuff that takes place. Or you can at least begin to seek out God's purpose in the bad stuff that happens in our life. What's behind it? You know, God's able to use even the bad things that happen to me. Every circumstance is a character builder. Everything that happens is a character builder. It's an opportunity. Once you understand that, once you know God, once you are, uh, uh, understand your purpose is to become like God in character, then every event God can use in your life to make you more like Jesus in character. Let me give you an example. Is God forgiving? Is God forgiving, yes or no? Well, sure he is. 
Absolutely God is forgiving. So what do you think God may want you to do when somebody offends you, when somebody disses you, when somebody stabs you in the back, when somebody turns their back on you and walks away, when somebody abandons you? What do you think that God is asking you to do? If you're, if you're uh, God's purpose in your life is for you to become more and more like his son who was mocked and beaten and abused and finally nailed to the cross. You know, uh, if you don't learn forgiveness, you're never, ever, 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 ever going to act like Jesus. And if you're never offended, you're never going to have the opportunity to forgive. And you're never, ever, ever going to become like Jesus. It's a key characteristic of how, who God is. So, what are our first two? Uh, first two purposes. Number one, I am made to what? To know God. What's the second one? We just talked about it. I am made to be like God. Okay, we've got two God-given purposes for your life. All right, let's check out number three. Number three is right here behind me. I am made to serve God. There it is. I am made to serve God. Let's say it together. I am made to serve God. One more time. I am made to serve God. There it is. Okay. You know, if you study God's Word you will always find that God has always had uh, a job for people to do. Uh, always, always, always. I mean, you're starting right at the very beginning. You got Adam and Eve. And what God say to Adam and Eve, look, you've got a job to do. You've got to tend the garden. You know, you've got to name the animals. You know, you've, got to, uh, you've got to take care of the garden. You've got to manage the garden. You know, folks, God has something for you to do. What I'm trying to say is this. Simply being comfortable is not God's ultimate goal for your life. Do you hear me? Simply being comfortable is not God's ultimate goal for your life. You know, despite what all the advertisements say, that's not God's ultimate goal for your life. God has a plan, God has a purpose for your life, and he has something for you to do. He's got a job for you to do while you're here. In fact, check this out. From the book of Acts, chapter 13, verse 36, it says this, for David served God's purpose in his own generation, and then he died. All right, look at that again. For David served God's purpose in his own generation, and then he died. What an epitaph, right? I mean, there's a phrase for your headstone right there. I mean, can you imagine having somebody say that about you? You know, while you were here, while you were upright and you were breathing, you served God in this time, and then when God was finished, you died. There you go. You know, uh, David served God's purpose in, uh, in the eternal. That is, he did it in, uh, in, in his generation while he was still alive. But he also did it in the contemporary. He did it in the contemporary. He served God's purpose and he focused on the timeless. And God, uh, or David did it in a timeless way. He served God's purpose in his generation. And then when God was finished, then David 
died. What a great testimony that is. You know, uh, let me ask you this question. What in the world are you going to do with the rest of your life? What are you going to do with the rest of your life? Whether you've got five years left or 50 years left or 100 years left, what in the world is you going to do with God's uh, purpose uh, or with the rest of your life? In other words, using that question I used at the beginning, what, in, what on earth are you doing? So what are you going to do with the rest of your life? You know, I was reading an article uh, that said that the average American... The average American uh, will spend these number of years in an average lifetime. That is, you will live uh, 28,667 days on average. 28,667 days. And if you live to be that old, among other things, you're going to spend your time, 26 years you're going to be sleeping. Out of all your life, you're going to spend 26 years sleeping. You're spending 17 years on average working. You're spending 11 years playing and watching television. Six years traveling. Six years eating. Two years getting dressed in the morning. How about that? Uh, and here's, here's this one. This is average, remember. It's way more in Northern Virginia, I'm sure. But you're going to spend six months sitting at stoplights. Yeah, and if you, live, if you live in Northern Virginia, it's a lot longer than that, I feel sure. You know, but is that all there is to life, folks? Well, of course not. That's not all there is to life, to, to eat and to sleep and to watch TV and to sit in traffic jams. You know, you were made for much more than that. You were made for a much greater purpose than that. God didn't put you here on earth simply for you to take up space, breathe, use up the natural resources, retire, and then die. You know, there is a God-given plan and purpose for your life, you know, and that's what we need to seek because God has made you to serve him. God has made you to serve him. God has made you to serve him. All of us need a great cause to live for that is a purpose that's bigger than ourselves to get us up out of bed in the morning to uh, so our lives have taken on some meaning and some significance there is no greater purpose than you using some of your time to serve God you were made to do it it is one of the reasons you exist it's one of the reasons you're breathing today God has a plan and a purpose. You were made to know him, right? You were made to be like him, and you were made to serve him. This is God's purpose for your life. And the kingdom of God lasts forever. Lots of causes come and go. You can spend a lot of time, spill a lot of ink, put a lot of energy in a lot of different causes. They'll all come and go. Nations and politics and all that stuff will come and go, but it's the kingdom of God that lasts forever. The kingdom of God lasts forever. Again, Paul from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, look at what it says. Paul says, offer yourself to God. All right, there you go. Offer yourself to God. To God, dedicated to his service. Then, 
you will be able to know the will of God, what is good, pleasing, and perfect. So many people say, you know, Pastor John, I just don't know what God's will for, what God's will in my life is all about. I just don't understand it. Number one, you're made to know him. Number two, you're made to be like him. Number three, you're made to serve him. So what do you got to do? Offer yourself in dedicated service to the Lord, and then what's going to happen? Then what does Paul say? Then he says, then you're going to know the will of God for your life. There it is. Then you're going to know the will of God for your life when you offer yourself in dedicated service to the Lord. Now, uh, and so we don't mess this up and keep this, let's keep this thing going. You know, uh, circle the word offer. Let's get, our, let's get our fingers out here. Circle that word offer. Circle the word offer right there. Offer yourselves in dedicated service uh, to the Lord. In other words, look, when you say offer, what does it mean? It means you got a choice right? You can choose to do it or you can choose not to do it. God's not going to twist your arm. You know, he's not going to drag you into the kingdom kicking and screaming. God says, you got a choice. He's given you free will to choose. He said, I just hope you make the wise and godly decision. Make the right one. Offer yourself in dedicated service to the Lord. He's already made you in his image. You know, now he simply wants you to live into it. How do you live into being created in the image of God? You understand your purpose, right? I'm made to know God. I'm made to be like God in character. I am made to serve God. That's what your purpose is in the world. This is what it is that we need to do. You know, uh, notice, uh, what is God's will? Notice what it says right here. Then you will be able to know the will of God, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. You know, there is a great misunderstanding out there, folks, that a lot of people think that, that uh, uh, living into God's will is going to be a painful thing in your life. Let me just tell you, that's not God's purpose in, your li- in, in, in life to give you pain. Living into God's will is not a painful experience. You know, some people are, uh, you know, thinking, you know, if I give myself to God, he's going to make me a missionary to, to, to lower Slobovia. Well, you know, I guess he could, you know, but I doubt it. I doubt it. Still, you ought to be willing to go where God wants you to go and do what God wants you to do. But God takes all of the way that he's wired you and made you and shaped you and gifted you into account before he's going to send you to lower Slobovia. You know, some people say, well, you know, if I give myself to the Lord, you know, God may call me to be a pastor. Well, he might. God help you if he does, but he might. You know, but still you got to be willing, I hope, to follow where it is that, uh, that God leads. You know, his will is not painful. It says his will is perfect and pleasing and good. You know, um, I, I've, I've seen so many times people who, who offer themselves to the Lord and start off in that direction, but soon just pull themselves back into doing whatever it is that they want to do and misinterpreting what God's true will is for their life. 
And so we need to seek it. What is God's will for your family? What's God's will for your business? What's God's will for, uh, for uh, your relationships, for your future, for your present? What's God's will for your everything? You know, when you seek this will, inevitably, you will find that it is good and pleasing and perfect. Yeah, offer yourself in dedicated service to the Lord. Then you're going to know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this. It says, always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Matter of fact, uh, the, uh, the Living Bible says that nothing you do for the Lord is ever wasted. I like that. It's not useless. It's not waste, uh, uh, wasted. Even the menial tasks of, of, uh, uh, of, uh, of picking up uh, trash or, or uh, cleaning the, the, the church building or, or uh, giving a cup of uh, cold water in the name of Christ. Nothing is wasted that you do for God. Everything takes on new meaning when you do it as unto the Lord. You know, and so I ask you this question, how do you serve the Lord? Well, it's simple. You serve God by serving others. Is that what you're doing? Is there any time in your life, I mean, I mean, do you, do you even have an hour that you can spare, you know, in some time in your week to do something significant for the Lord, even if it's a menial task? You know what? This is God's will for your life. Don't miss out on it. Don't miss out on it. Then you're going to know when you do it, God's pleasing and perfect will for you. And nothing that you do for the Lord is ever useless. Nothing that you're going to do for the Lord will ever be wasted. All right, so let's talk about the purposes God has. We've got three of them so far, right? Number one, I am made to know God. That's number one. Number two, I'm made to be like God in character. And number three, I am made to serve God. Okay, so now we're up. Num- there it is. Number four, Number four, I am made to be with God in heaven one day. I am made to be with God in heaven one day. Let's say it together. I am made to be with God in heaven. Now add one day. One day. There you go. I am made to be with God in heaven one day. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1 and then verse 5 says it like this. We know that our body the tent that we live in here on earth will be destroyed. But when that happens, God will have a home for us to live in. It will not be the kind of home people build here. It will be a home in heaven that will continue forever. This is what God, this, excuse me, this is what God himself made us for. This is what God himself made us for, to have a home with him in heaven. Don't miss out on this purpose for your life. I am made to know God. I am made to be like God. I am made to serve God. And what? I am made to be with God in heaven one day. 
one day. God wants you to live with him one day. Today, you know, we're too busy with the here and now, and uh, sometimes we just don't have time for the hereafter. Well, you know, every, nobody who's smart, you know, uh, fails to prepare for the inevitable. Smart people prepare for the inevitable. I mean, the, the, the fact is that the earth is just a temporary stomping ground for us. You know, uh, you're going to live here 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years or so. Earth is just a temporary stomping ground, a temporary training ground, and you're going to spend far more time on that side of eternity than you are on this side of eternity. So it's foolish to go through life unprepared for the inevitable. It's foolish to do that. It's foolish not to prepare for you know what's coming. You know, it makes a big difference in what is coming next. So how do you get to heaven? Look at the ear. Uh, Gospel of John chapter 6 verse 40 says it this way. It says, for God's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. Look at it again. For God's will is it's God's will. Now, dear, God's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. Folks, eternity's a long time, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, we can't, even put, we can't even put a number on it. Eternity is a long time. Have you settled that issue about being with God in heaven one day? It's God's plan, God's purpose for your life. It should be up here right there that I am made to be with God in heaven one day, you know? Uh, and folks, our, our hope lies not on the, on the men that we've already put on the moon, but our hope lies in the man we put on the cross, that's where our hope can be found. And it's God's will that all of us who look to the Son will have eternal life. You know, the Reader's Digest uh, once said that everyone, that, that everyone needs three things in order to be happy. Someone to love, something to do, and something to hope for. Let's listen to that again. Someone to love, something to do, and something to hope for. Well, you know, that's what we're talking about today right here. Someone to love. I am made to know God. I'm made to love him and that he loves us. And something to do. I am made to serve, right? I'm made to serve God. It's God's plan and God's purpose for my life. I'm made to serve. And then something to hope for? I am made to live with God in heaven one day. And how do we do it? Although it's God's will that those who look to the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life. These are the purposes that God has for you. Don't miss them out. Don't miss them. This is God's plan, God's call, and God's purpose for you. I am made to know God. I am made to be like God. I am made to serve God. And I am made to live with God in heaven 
one day. This is God's plan and purpose for you. Let's pray together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all the ways that you bless us and the way you pour out your love and grace upon us. We pray right now, Heavenly Father, for all those who have yet to uh, uh, have that saving relationship, that personal relationship with you. And if that's you, would you pray this in your, in your heart and say, God, I may not understand it all, but thank you for sending your son to be my savior. I want to look to you and I am making a statement right now that I do believe in you. I believe that you have died for me and that you have taken my sin away and have forgiven me. And so, Lord, come be the, the director of my life and allow me the privilege of living for you. You know, the rest of us, even though we may already know you, Lord, we need to have and firm up the, uh, your will for our lives. For you have made us to know you. I've been made to be like you in character, to live out this gospel life. I am made to serve you. And Lord, when my time is up, I pray that you would welcome me into your eternal home one day, as is your will for all of those who know and love you. And we give you praise and honor and glory in the holy and precious name of Jesus. And we all offer this prayer. Amen. And amen. We have the privilege of continuing mission and ministry.